Welcome back to Slam Presents Hoop Ties. I'm your host, the one and only Amai K. Smith. We have a fire episode with Sacramento Kings insider James Ham. Talking about the Sacramento Kings, talking about DeMarcus Cousins, talking about Sabonis, and also talking about De'Aaron Fox, of course. But right now, all NBA lists, all NBA awards, I have to give you mine. First team, I'm going with Stephen Curry um, for the guard position. I think Stephen Curry averaged 36 and 6. He shot almost 50, 40, 90 again. He was phenomenal during the regular season. He really kind of put the Golden State Warriors on his back. So to me, he's going to be on the all NBA first team. Another player I'm rolling with is Donovan Mitchell. I feel like Donovan Mitchell is the best combo guard in the league. Um, the the best player on the Cleveland Cavaliers. And every team that Donovan Mitchell goes to, he elevates that roster and also elevates those teams where it's getting them to the playoffs. We know the Cleveland Cavaliers wasn't a playoff team until he got there. And he was very, very special this year. We know he had a 71-point performance as well. That was phenomenal. Uh, for my forwards, I'm going with Jason Tatum, of course. Jason Tatum, to me, arguably, you can make the case that he's the, if not, Top two, he can make a case he's the best small four in the league, not named Kevin Durant, or if you feel like it's still Kevin Durant, but Jason Tatum is very, very special. A polished scorer that can guard one through four in the basketball court as well. Um, for my other four, I'm going to roll with Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think Giannis, he had another MVP type of season, even though he didn't win the MVP. It went to Joel Embiid. Uh, a legitimate argument could have made it could have been Giannis Antetokounmpo. And for the center position, I'm rolling with Joel. Joel is going to be on his first first All-NBA team, first team. And like I said, Joel be MVP. You have to put him on the first team. For my second team, I'm rolling with, let's see, I'm rolling with John Morant. A lot of people are going to say that John Morant doesn't deserve to be on an All-NBA team because he missed some games due to his suspension. I think that's incredibly unfair because I feel like if you really look at the landscape of the league, you can't tell me that it's what six guards better than John Morant this particular season in the 2022-2023 NBA season. It's not six guards better than John Morant. So John Morant is on my team. SGA, another special talent, another special player, a calm hooper, a guy that put OKC on his back and basically delivered him into the play. And nobody would have thought coming into the season that SGA um, Shea Gil Alexander was going to lead the Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder to the playoffs, the play-in. They didn't get to play the play-in. And that's very phenomenal because everybody was talking about tank, tank, tank. And I'm sure the front office probably wanted the Oklahoma City Thunder to tank, tank, tank. But SGA had other plans. For my forward position, I'm rolling with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is a guy that had his most efficient year this past season with the Miami Heat. And he's a guy that's still playing in the playoffs right now. He's a guy that reminds folks, like, I may not be a top 10 to 15 player in the regular season, but I'm damn sure a top 10 player in the, in the postseason where it matters the most. He elevates his game that, that much. When we talk about the last four years in the playoffs, I don't think you can really say there's a player other than probably, let's say, maybe LeBron, maybe Kobe, not Kobe, I'm sorry, maybe LeBron, maybe Curry, maybe Kevin Durant. And after that, you probably want to have Jimmy Butler as that guy. And when I, the reason why I said Kobe Bryant, because when I think of Jimmy Butler, I think of Kobe Bryant. We talk about a guy that's a dog, a, a guy that just wants to win, a guy that just wants to compete. That's what Jimmy Butler does. And the guy that elevates his game when it matters the most, 
That's very Kobe-like. That's very mama mentality-like. And that's why I had Kobe on my mind when I'm talking about Jimmy Butler. And another for my forward position, Jalen Brown. I think it's very important for Jalen Brown to be on the All-NBA team. I feel like he deserves it. He's the second best player on the Boston Celtics. Sometimes he can be the first player, best player on the Boston Celtics. He's a guy that's really worked on his game, a guy that has really gone from this athletic specialist when he first came into the league to one of the most polished three-level scores this game has seen. Right now, I don't know what's going to happen with the situation with the Boston Celtics because Jalen Brown has been in the media lately. He's been kind of, you know, hot and cold based on some of his answers with the media, but Jalen Brown is very, very talented. I think the season that he had, and he was very efficient, I feel like he deserves to be on the All-NBA second team. And for the center position, of course, we got to roll with Nikola Jokic, a guy who could have won the MVP, a guy that had an historic season, but I feel like Joan B was the MVP. It's only right he's going to be on the all-NBA first team, even though Nicole Jokic had a phenomenal, phenomenal year, and he's dominating right now in the playoffs. NBA all-third team. Now, this is a, a, a my, third, my third team is kind of, it has guys that were kind of injured. It has guys that didn't play 55 games. It, it has a lot. Of, it's a mixture. It's a mixture group, and that's kind of how I wanted it. Damian Lillard, I feel like we can't leave off Dame on an all-NBA team. I don't think he should be as high as first or second because his team didn't make the playoffs. But I feel like the third team is where we can kind of get into like, okay, you got players that didn't make the playoffs. You got guys that didn't play a ton amount of games, but these guys are well-deserving. And Dame is well-deserving with the type of year that he had with the, goal, with the Portland Trailblazers to be on the all-NBA team. Next, Luka Doncic as well, another player that did not make the playoffs. But I can't keep Luka Doncic off a all-NBA team. He's that special. He's that phenomenal. He is the focal point for the Dallas Mavericks. I know the Dallas Mavericks did not make the playoffs, but we know what happened when they traded for Kyrie Irving. They lost all their depth. And going forward, we know Luka Doncic is going to rise to the occasion and get the Dallas Mavericks back into the playoffs. Hopefully they can re-sign Kyrie Irving. We'll see what happens this upcoming offseason. But Luka Doncic is on my all-NBA third team. For the four positions, I got Julius Randle. I think Julius Randle had a phenomenal regular season with the New York Knicks, a guy that's, you know, kind of does everything for the New York Knicks in the regular season. Score points, rebound, you know, pass the ball when you need to. His shot-making ability was was better in the regular season. I keep harping on the regular season because this is a regular season type of of award, even though in the playoffs is a different situation. If this was based on the playoffs, Julius Randle would, (laughs) would not be anywhere close to making one of these teams, uh, even though it's the all-NBA third team, but still. But it's a regular season award, and Julius Randle had a phenomenal regular season, so I had to put him on my all-NBA third team. Another four position, LeBron James. I feel like LeBron James in year 20 was phenomenal. I feel like even with the up and down and inconsistency of the Lakers in the first half of the season and with Russell Westbrook and with LeBron being hurt and with Anthony Davis being hurt, LeBron James had big moments and kind of kept the Los Angeles Lakers afloat when he was on the court healthy and was still dominant and was still showing like, yo, when healthy, you could make a case that he's a top 10 player in the league right now. When healthy, you can make a case that LeBron James could anywhere be, you know, from that five to 10 range. But that's how great I feel LeBron James was in the regular season. Even right now in the playoffs, people are talking about, well, LeBron James is not really having the, the type of, playoffs we're used to custom to seeing. He's in year 20. He's playing on one foot. And right now he's averaging prime, 
he's averaging not prime, he's averaging career Tim Duncan numbers, like 22, like <laughs> 10 and 8. That's what that's what LeBron James is basically averaging right now. And Tim Duncan averaged something similar, like 22, I think 10 and like four for his career numbers. That's what he's doing right now as a second option for the Los Angeles Lakers. But for the regular season, I have to have LeBron James on my third team, all NBA team. And last but not least, I got Anthony Davis at the center position because that's what he played mostly this year. Anthony Davis is phenomenal when he's healthy. Another guy we talk about when healthy, you can make a case he's a top five player in this league. We know he's a top five talent automatically, but health and durability has always been a question. In the regular season, when he did play, when he did show up, he was phenomenal. Also, he kept the Los Angeles Lakers afloat when that, what was that, three weeks where he was dropping crazy numbers, looked like an MVP candidate to keep the Lakers from falling off the wagon when LeBron James got hurt. And we look, look what he's doing right now in the playoffs as well. He's reminding folks that, once again, when I'm healthy, when I'm right, I'm a top five player in this league. And also, I'm damn near, if not the best defensive player in this league, I'm top five as well in that category as well. So Anthony Davis on my all-NBA third team. And so there you have it. My first team, my second team, my third team for the all-NBA awards. And once again, we have James Ham coming up. Fire interview. Stay tuned. And we're back with another fire episode of Hoop Ties. We have a very, very special guest, James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320. How you doing, James? I'm good. Good. Uh, just getting my summer going. Yeah. <laughs> how's, how's the weather out there in Sacramento? Uh, it just turned beautiful, uh, to be yeah. honest with you. It's just absolutely gorgeous. We had some really weird weather all season long. Uh, lots of rain. But uh, summer is here and we're excited about it. It's crazy because I was just in L.A. for a wedding like two weeks ago and everybody talking about in California, like, oh, it's been raining, the weather. I'm like, well, it's nice when I was out here. So it's interesting that you said that. Um, but I want to get right into it, James. I want to ask you, how did you kind of get your love for the game of basketball or how did you kind of get into covering the, the Kings? Yeah, you know, I've covered the Kings. This is my 13th season um, as a full-time member of the media. I actually found my way into it in a really strange way many years ago. Um, I was a blogger. Uh, I was just, I had two young boys at home. My wife was a young attorney working 80 hours a week, and I was looking for somewhere to sort of put my energy. And I, I found writing and talking about the Sacramento Kings is a really good way to do that. And uh, next thing you know, I own a ESPN True Hoop site. Um, I'm a stringer for NBA.com. I go on to work for NBC Sports Bay Area for six years. Uh, now I'm with ESPN 1320 radio in Sacramento, and I, I have my own thing called the King's Beat. Um, but yeah, it's been a, a wild ride. Um, I've, to be honest, I've never taken a journalism course. Uh, I have a degree right. in U.S. history from, wow. uh, from UC Davis. And so <laughs> uh, it's one of those things that sometimes you stumble into, and uh, you got to keep your eyes open and keep your mind open. And uh, I have a real hunger for the story, chasing the story, uh, knowing information that other people don't have. Uh, but also, I love podcasting. I love writing long form. Um, just, yeah, it's it's been a really, really crazy career that I've had here. Yeah, definitely. It seems like a lot. Um, but I want to ask you, though, did you grow up a basketball fan? Did you have a favorite team or did you just kind of stumble across like covering the Kings, like you said, blogging about them? Yeah, so I, I'm a huge sports fan. Um, I, you know, I record all podcasts and all radio interviews and TV interviews here in my bar. 
Um, I have a full bar that's wall-to-wall black and white pictures of NFL, uh, Major League Baseball, NBA basketball. Um, but the Kings are, have been the only one in town. I grew up in uh, on the outskirts of Sacramento in a town called Grass Valley. Um, and I, I basically have lived in this area my whole life. I, you know, quick stop in the Bay Area. Uh, but overall, I've been here in the Sacramento area. So I grew up listening to Gary Gerald, the amazing voice of the Sacramento Kings um, on the radio. And uh, I, you know, grew up watching the Sacramento Kings and sort of stumble into this and to be part of the media here in Sacramento for a long time has really been something that I never thought I would get into. But uh, it's been super rewarding and and a job that I still love to do every day. Definitely. So this was the first time the Kings made the playoffs in 17 years. So I want to ask you, James, how would this season be remembered? Yeah. So coming into this year, my first 12 years covering the team, uh, I had a, I was 240 games under 500. So yeah. So put that in perspective. That means that every year I wrote uh, on average over 50 losing game recaps. And so I think this season is going to be remembered as, uh, I want to say the season of love. Like, that's what it feels like. Uh, like the way that the team has been uh, embraced by the community again after really just crushing their fan base for the last, you know, 16 years uh, it is amazing. Um, the fan base really, they, they came out for the beam. Uh, they came right. out and supported a team that, uh, really, it's just, you know, they tried to relocate the team twice. Uh, they've changed ownership. They've changed management four times during my time covering the team. I'm on my ninth head coach. And so I, I think this season when it came, like right in the first couple of days of, of we get to media day and Mike Brown does that incredible scream, which was my video I put out, uh, which has now become like a, a meme um, where Mike Brown yells in the air. Um, that's when I, I told my uh, my fellow reporters, I'm like, man, if they can only win and Mike Brown is like this all season long, we're going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, they never lost. Uh, they lost four games in a row to open the season. They only had one other three-game losing streak in November and the one at the very end of the season when they stopped playing. Um, but outside of that, this was a team that was resilient, which I've never seen before in Sacramento. Uh, they could take a punch and throw one back. Uh, but I say love because from Mike Brown to his coaching staff, to the players, uh, there's just something different about this vibe. They, like all of the assistant coaches have small children. Monty McNair has small children. Uh, Sabonis, Fox, Harrison Barnes, they all have babies. Uh, like, so there's this weird family vibe. You show up to a game and there's little kids everywhere. Like mm-hmm. all of them are there. Then the family room gets filled up. There's a daycare in Sacramento that has 13 children from, uh, the Sacramento Kings front office and coaching staff. Wow. So like, there's just a different feel to this team. And I think that that's what they captured. They captured a family. You see Trey Lyle's comments after, at the end of the year, where he literally said, this is the most welcome I've ever felt in my entire NBA career. The first time he'd ever been invited over to another player's house for a birthday party. He said, just like everything about this was amazing. And I think every player wants to be back. And that's something that has not always been the case in Sacramento. Seems like an excellent culture there in Sacramento. It's funny that you said like family oriented, because like I said, I was in California two weeks ago 
Everybody always talks about like Los Angeles and Oakland, but everybody always says the same thing about Sacramento. Like, yo, it's a, a great place to start a family, a great place for family. So it's very interesting hearing that the Kings have this like family oriented type of style within the NBA because we know what kind of other NBA teams and other cities are about. So that's very, very interesting. But who do you think deserves the most credit for this year's King's success? It's really hard. I mean, I would like to tell you it's Mike Brown and Mike Brown alone that he's just done something that no one else could do. Um, and I think that's a lot of it. You know, I, I will give a lot of praise to Mike Brown for what he accomplished. Again, like I've seen eight other head coaches come and go that couldn't capture the imagination of this team. Uh, but I also think that uh, the trade that brought in Demonis Sabonis last year, it really made things easier uh, to build. And Domas is such a selfless player. He's such a, a strong leader. Um, he's such a workmanlike player. Shows up every single night with a broken hand, with a broken bone in his thumb. Uh, like there was something to that in itself that this team, like they played hurt all season long. Uh, it's one of the few teams, I think they they led the league in fewest games missed, um, but they played hurt and, and they didn't, they didn't want to give in for their teammates. And so I think that that's part of it. Um, but De'Aaron Fox, like finding himself was amazing. Um, the Malik Monk edition that just like lit a fire under Fox, but yeah. also gave him somebody to like lean on that he's really close with. Uh, Kevin Herter was spectacular during the regular season. Keegan Murray was just the perfect rookie for a team like this, where you counted on him for 30 minutes a night, but he shot 41% from three. And his demeanor never wavered the entire season. Um, he's just straight-faced, and whatever the team needed from him is what what he did. So I think the buy-in was crazy. So I don't want to put it on any one per person. Um, mm -hmm. Again, Monty McNair was executive of the year. I think he did a great job. Mike Brown, coach of the year, uh, clutch player of the year, probably going to have one or two All-NBA announcements uh, later today. Um, you know, Keegan Murray, all-rookie. This was a, a group that all found themselves at the same time, which is uh, rare in the NBA. Do you feel like it's safe to say that the Kings made the right decision by keeping De'Aaron Fox over Tyrese Hallenberg-Burton? Yeah, I do. Um, like, look, I, I think Ty's a, a great young player, and, you know, he's going to be a multi-time All-Star, has the potential to be a Hall of Fame player. Uh, but I I'll tell you today, I still believe that De'Aaron Fox is a better player. Uh, he makes a lot more money, but I think he's a better player. And yeah. That's something like when you're a team like Sacramento and talent doesn't grow on trees and you don't get to play in the free agent market and trades are tough and agents say, no, I don't want my player traded there. Um, you have to do right by the, the players that have put in the work and, and grown in your system and become something. And that's where I think Fox really has taken off. Yeah, I do too. I think Fox was even last year was kind of a down year, not this year, the the, the previous yeah. year for us, like statistically, but the season before, like he was putting up crazy numbers before he got that big contract. And I think this year, it seems kind of one of those players where people talk about how good is he? And I was like, well, he's really, really good. He just doesn't have the, a competent team around him. Similar with Devin Booker. Devin Booker has always been really, really good. But as soon as you put a competent team around him, they were able to flourish. I think we're going to see the same type of, you know, for the future of the Sacramento Kings with De'Aaron Fox leading the way. But you talked about Sabonis a little bit. What do you feel like Sabonis needs to do to improve to be 
I want to say the second best player on a playoff team for like the Kings going forward because it seemed like he kind of struggled with the Golden State Warriors, especially with, you know, Draymond Green guarding him and not being as aggressive as he was in the regular season. So what do you think he needs to do going forward to kind of be that second option after De'Aaron Fox in the playoffs when it matters the most? Yeah, I think the biggest thing he needs to do is be able to hit the 18-foot jumper. You know, like as someone who watched Chris Weber here in Sacramento for years, I know that that opened up all the spacing that the Kings needed at that time. You had great shooters all around him. I think that's one thing. But then the other thing I'll point out is that Kevon Looney is, is the matchup that really, really hurts Sabonis. And if you look around the NBA, there's a couple of guys that are like him, and it's Steven Adams. It's, you know, like the big, gigantic, super strong, defensive-minded guys that have given Sabonis trouble. I, I would make the claim that if you would have put Sponus up against anyone else outside of Looney and a team that's been together for a decade and has won four championships like the Warriors, that the Kings probably would have moved right through the first round. And mm -hmm. I'll say that about the Lakers. I'll say that about Minnesota. Like, uh, again, he's used uh, Rudy Gobert throughout the season, like had no problems going right through him. I uh, had no problems with Anthony Davis. Kings are 3-1 against the Lakers. Um Savonis has an ability to bully just about anyone except for guys who are built like him. And mm -hmm. that's what he ran into in Looney. And so that's where I would kind of put it. Like there's a point where like, it's just a bad matchup and, yeah. and the Kings still took, it took seven games. So mm -hmm. in their first playoff experience, it took seven games for the, for the Warriors to beat him. So I don't think he needs to do anything way different than what he did this last year. And I kind of think he'll sit for the rest of his career right around between 18 and 20 points, between 12 and 13 rebounds, between seven and eight assists. And he'll do that for the next five or six years and, and probably make an all-star team every year and probably be considered a Hall of Fame level player. Do you feel like the Kings need to add on a elite, I want to say three, going forward in the future? Because yeah. we know this is a Wings league, so we know guys like Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, what they're doing in the playoffs and, and had success in the playoffs. I feel like that's probably the, the next step for the Sacramento Kings. What do you feel, James? Yeah, I think the the player that I keep circling and saying, if you could add a player, um, Mikael Bridges is one where I think he would fit in seamlessly in Sacramento and be really, really good. Uh, but OG Ananobi is the other, who I think would absolutely changed the entire defensive culture of the Kings um, mm. and would basically be a trade-out piece with Harrison Barnes as far as the offensive end. I think that's the player that really stands out. The Kings don't need more offense. What they need is long athletic defenders mm. uh, that can slow down people and keep them off the Savonis. And so I, I really do think that the next step is, um, you know, a long athletic wing, whether it's a three or a four, whatever it is, mm. they got to find it. What about Chris Milton? Chris Milton's supposed to be a free agent. He's kind of up there, like 32, though. OG's yeah, kind of yeah. Young. Yeah, I think that that would be the one problem that I'd have with Middleton is that he's going to mm -hmm. want a lot of money. Uh, he's coming off a knee injury, and, you know, you're worried about age. The mm -hmm. The other cool thing about this, this Sacramento Kings team is that almost everybody is between 24 and 26. Yeah, so, again, Fox and Monk are both 25. Herder's 24. Uh, Davion Mitchell's 24, Sabonis is 26, Trey Lyles is 27, uh, you know, Keegan Murray's 22. They're all around the same age group. And so I think the Kings would like to keep a player 
around that can build and grow and be part of what mm-hmm. this team does going forward. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, for this next segment, James, this is a truth teller segment. So basically, I'm going to read you a tweet. I want you to say if this guy or this girl is a truth teller or not. Sounds good? Yeah. All right. So we have Elliot Shore Parks. The Kings season was not a failure. The Bucks season was a failure. Is this guy a truth teller or not? A oh, man, I'm going to say yes. Like, I, like I get what Giannis Antetokounmpo was trying to say when mm-hmm. he says that his team wasn't a, a failure. But, I mean, that team should be fighting for a championship every year. And to lose in the first round, that's yeah. just unacceptable for a team. And I know things happen, injuries happen, but, uh, you know, you just got your coach fired. Where the Kings, <laughs> they're on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. They're just at the beginning. They're at the mm-hmm. beginning of their run. And, you want to see what they can do, but they came into this season with, I think it was 188 combined playoff games uh, of experience. And like 52 of those were, um, were, uh, what, the, why am I drawing a blank? Their backup, backup point, uh, Matthew Della Vidova, you know, yeah. who only played like 15 games all season. So like this was a really inexperienced team and I expect the Kings to come out and be much better next year and to build off of their first playoff experience. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it, what what kind of was so impressive to me with the Sacramento Kings was the pace that they played with, but the efficiency as well. It was kind of similar to, I felt like, Golden State Warriors when they first were going on their run when we had like Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson, Draymond, where they were super young and they lost. I think I think it was the Clippers. They lost the year before and then they went on and went to the championship. I'm not saying that's guy with the Kings, but that's what it kind of feels like is going to happen for us, like the future of the Kings, like being very, very promising young team. Uh, next one, we have Henry Taylor. King and Mary has legit superstar potential. He isn't showing it in a flashy way, but I just feel like it's there. Truth teller hey, or not. I think that's up for debate. Uh, mm-hmm. I will tell you, the Sacramento Kings believe that statement. They okay. believe that within the walls, they believe that he's going to be a star level player. Uh, whether that's going to happen or not, I'm not sure. Uh, my biggest like, I, I love his skill set, and we've seen flashes of other things that he can do, and that I think that there is greatness hiding. But the problem that you have is that he defers to other people. And so if he uh, if he plays, if he listens to his coaches and his teammates and plays to the level that they want him to going forward, then mm-hmm. sure, I think he can get there. But if he waits and nobody's telling him to go, uh, I have a, a problem believing that he's going to take huge, huge strides without someone poking him. 100% agree. Next one and last one, Omar24. Nikola Jokic is the best white player in NBA history. No. Truth teller or not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a strange question. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we got Larry Bird out there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I have a tough time. You know, there's there's players before Larry Bird, but mm-hmm. um, like modern? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you're you're also saying that he's better than Dirk. He's better. And, and you know, like, yeah, yeah like, I, I mean, we're not saying European or American, like mm-hmm. just just white. I mean, there's some some great white players throughout the history of the NBA. Yeah. And uh, so Jokic is is a joy to watch. I mean, talk about a guy with who can't jump over a phone book, but who can destroy yeah. every single player in the league. <laughs> just absolutely bizarre. There is absolutely no stat stuffing going on at all that's just a dominant nba player strictly skilled too like you say you can't yeah <laughs> he's so slow does everything footwork post can shoot to three three level score i think 
maybe in the future, who knows if he goes on and wins some championships, he's two time MVP, but who knows? Yeah. Um, for this next segment is, is say with your chest. And what you say, the first thing that I'm going to say that comes to your mind, James, sounds good. Okay. 2001, 2002 Sacramento Kings. Champions. Wow. Why champions? Cause that they got robbed. I mean, that's uh, the 2001, 2002 Sacramento Kings. Yeah, that's that's the team. I, I know them all. Uh, like they're all around the team. They have been over the last couple of years. I'm super good friends with Doug Christie. Um, that was the best team in basketball. It was the best be- team in basketball for probably three straight years, and uh, they were robbed a- in a seven game series. They choked in game series uh, in game seven. They were seven, robbed yeah. in game six. Um, and, and they'll tell you that too. Like the players would to a man, they'll tell you they, they blew yeah. game seven, uh, you know, Doug and Peja missed free throws in the final minute. But, uh, yeah, that's, that right there is a championship team. Sounds good. Draymond Green. Mm. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say hall of famer. If you want okay. one word. Um, okay. yeah, I, I mean, I've covered him for a long time because when I got done with my Kings seasons, I would transfer right over to covering Warriors because Kings would end on tax day every year and then the Warriors mm. would go to the championship. So, I mean, I've been in game seven locker rooms, uh, both mm. the Cavs and the Warriors. Uh, he's a champion. Um, I got to be honest, I don't like watching him play. I don't like the antics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was in the building when he absolutely stomped on uh, Demonis Sabonis and then jumped on the seats right down below us as media and you know, grabbed his crotch and yelled profanity at the crowd. Um, I watched all of it and Adam Silver looking on, I could see right in direct line. Um, like, I, I don't think that the NBA is that. And I, I think that that was an embarrassing moment. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's he's a great winner. Um, you know, he's a, a guy who's been there for a long time and he's done it. And uh, you have to put respect where respect is due as far as a player. Last one, DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, Boogie. So I cover Boogie my first six and a half years in the league. I came into the league with Boogie. I've got a lot of love for Boogie. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say not misunderstood would be the one word. So he wants to say that he's misunderstood or or that he's been taken out of context or whatever. No. Like he is who he is. Why do you say that though? Uh, like I talked to him when he was a 19, 20, 21 year old kid. And I said, and he kept saying, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. And I kept saying, well, your way at 25 is different than your way at 19. Like that's just the nature of people. Your way at 27 is different. And I think that that's, he held to his guns and Mm -hmm. he did it his way the entire way. And where a lot of other people would have grown out of some of the mistakes that he made there were still a lot of mistakes that he made. And while I have a ton of love for him and every time I see him, it's still nothing but love. I, I as a player, I have the utmost respect. I, he, watching him on a nightly basis was absolutely poetry and emotion. Um, you know, he's the one that took the big man to the next level. He's the one that yeah. started dribbling the ball. He's the one that started running with it full court. Mm-hmm. Um, what he could do with the ball, what he could do to contort his body was absolutely amazing. But you know, the, the other stuff, there was never a, a need for it. And so while I, I, you know, I feel for him and where he's at right now in his career, uh, there's always a tipping point where uh, people will put up with certain things as long as your talent level is where it is. And then once that talent level 
starts to diminish even slightly and there's a balancing point, uh, sometimes they side with, uh, with not putting up with what you do off the court, what you do, you know, during the practice sessions or in other situations with a team. And, and I, I think, you know, to be honest, Draymond Green is, is in that similar situation where it's like, Hey, when the team is great, when things are going good, you'll put up with a lot of things. And when it starts to go the other way, uh, somebody might not put up with that stuff. Yeah. DeMarcus Cousins, I feel like we just talked about Nikola Jokic. You you said like kind of took the big man to the next level. I feel like a lot of people talk about Nikola Jokic being like the first point center this league has ever seen. But DeMarcus Cousins was doing some of that in Sacramento. It's unfortunate what happened with him in the Kings. But like you said, you know, talent is talent when it's there. But the talent goes away. Sometimes the players got to go away as well. Um, last question. Who are your three top favorite Kings players of all time, James? Okay, so my my top favorite or like who do I the, the no, greatest the, three? No, no, not, yeah. not the greatest. Your favorite, your personal favorite, your personal favorite. Like me, if I said I love um, Demarcus Cousins, I love Chris Webber and Kevin Martin. Okay, um, yeah. So my f- like watching them play, mm-hmm. Jason Williams. Like yeah. Jason Williams was one of the most amazing players to watch play live. Um, just absolutely spectacular. Um, and then I, I kind of like, I, I, I would put Vlade Divac into a different category where like seldom do you see somebody who's such a great leader that just pulls everyone together in such a special way. Um, I mean, I've loved, I loved covering DeMarcus. Mm-hmm. Um, I have absolutely enjoyed watching De'Aaron Fox go from a 19 year old kid to a grown man with a wife and a baby. And, um, and so, like, I would kind of put, like, those guys in, in a category by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, like, covering Costa uh, Kufis was a joy to talk to on a daily basis. Absolute great dude. Omri Caspi was a great dude to talk to on a daily basis. Garrett Temple, one of the great leaders in a, and great men that, you know, have, have a voice that will last long beyond their playing careers. Uh, so I've got to cover a lot of really interesting people, but as far as, like players I loved watching, it's got to be Jason Williams is number one. I loved watching Chris Weber, uh, Peja Stoyakovich hit the three ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, Wayman Tisdale with the tizzy flip. Uh, yeah, there, there's plenty of guys on this that yeah. I've watched play for this team that I enjoyed watching. Yeah, Peja was special. Peja would, I think Peja would probably be a max player in this era. He was so fun to watch growing up when as a he, kid. Finished his career, he was number three in three-point makes, and now he's mm. like number 24. So oh, it yeah. just tells you how the league has changed, even yeah. in that short amount of time. Thank yeah. you, Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But, um, James, James, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, anything you want to say to the Slam and Hoop Tops family, go ahead. No, it's uh, great to be on here. I, I fully enjoyed it. I've covered this team forever, and it's good that they're finally getting some notoriety. And uh, look out for next season, because I think they're going to build. Uh, they're they got something special here, which is interesting to say because I haven't got to see that. Definitely. James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320. Thank you once again, man. Anytime.